Superman's secret identity revealed by Lois Lane, staff writer. Man of Steel dwelt among us as Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent. Many who once admired him now question his motives for creating a fake persona. Previously, no one suspected that Superman had a secret identity. Unlike other costumed crime fighters, he did not wear a mask. Incredibly, the last son of Krypton was able to disguise himself as a human by putting on an ordinary pair of glasses. Hello and welcome to Pedagodzilla, the podagogic pedcast that peds out the pedagogy of pop culture podding stuff. That's fine, this will all come together in the edit. <laughs> shaking his head. Uh, as you can tell today i've forgotten my intro script uh, i'm mike uh, i am a learning designer working with the open university and also a man who owns a variety of microphones and joining me today we have hello my name is paul hoffman i've worked as an editor here at the open university for 10 years and before working here i worked in publishing in america and in oxford and I'm Mark, and I'm here this episode um, mainly because I'm a comics nerd and have been since the Silver Age. So, yeah. And also st- continues to be a doctor of education. Oh, yeah, but that's not so, my specialty. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's not relevant for this. But in fact, if anything, it's probably a hindrance. <laughs> and today we're going to be answering the bloody stupid question, how can Lois Lane use good web writing principles to teach Metropolis Superman's secret identity? I do remember Lois Lane being kind of hyper-focused on exposing her boyfriend, Superman. Like, that seemed to be the crux of every episode. That She was always just on the cusp of finding out <laughs> his secret identity and ruining his life. Yeah, and it's one episode in uh, the radio serial where um, he, uh, Superman, reveals his biggest weakness, which is kryptonite, and she immediately goes to press with it. And, of course, that's then the huge problem is because there's a meteor has hit the Earth... And it's got kryptonite on it, and then he goes through all these problems, and it's in, she's just done it all for a scoop, and that's it. Even though she's admires Superman, is in love with him, um, she'd rather make the big, the, make the uh, front page than actually protect his greatest weakness. So yeah. Part one, the question. <laughs> okay, so to answer our question, let's first break it apart. Okay. Uh, the two constituent elements of it. One. Who the hell's Superman? And two, well, who's Superman? Who's Lois Lane? And two, what are good web writing principles? So I think we should probably start with the bit that we've already started talking about somewhat, which is, who is Superman? Okay, do you want me to field this one? I think yeah, I think each of us is going to have to introduce Superman. Okay, from our as, own perspective. Yeah, because we, okay. in our pre-show talk with this, we discovered that each of us knew him in our own special intimate ways. Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I've been reading DC Comics since I was about six and so, but never really liked Superman as a character. It's just those powers just sort of meant that any kind of story wasn't that interesting. But it's cropped up in the stuff that I have read. Um, but the main Superman as a kind of protagonist of the stories, I would say mainly the serials of the 1930s and 40s. So I've listened to a lot of those. Well, those are the radio serials. The radio serials, yeah. Uh, and of course the movies. We all know mm. the movies with mm. Christopher Reeve. And I watched the more recent ones. Um, and uh, then also... Uh, the cartoons that are on, I think, in the 90s, the Bruce Timm ones. Um, so I watched all of those as well, and they're pretty good. But, yeah, and that sounds like that's completely different from 
Can I just drop in a bit of trivia here? Connection with us here in Milton Keynes and Superman. Oh, I know this. I know yeah. this. It's amazing. Oh, I want to hear this. Go on then, Mike. Okay, so um, Milton Keynes train station is the UN. It's the UN building in Superman 4? Yes, it was one of the Supermans. One of the bad ones. Yeah, not. it was one of the ones that he like like wrote direct himself or something that... You might want to edit that out because I think that's completely wrong. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Google when get, you need it? Right? Yeah. <laughs> if you know any better, please get in touch. <laughs> crucially, if you look at the, the clips, you can see that, A, it's clearly Milton Keynes Station with no dressing. There's even mm. like a little Daily Mail newsstand uh, selling like chocolate bars and papers and things <laughs> directly next to it. So, yeah, so that's that's how I know Superman. And you were saying that you've come across him in completely different ways? Yeah, so uh, I am... Uh, don't want to say slightly younger than Mark, but I'm ever so slightly younger than Mark. Um, and I came to Superman in the early 90s as a child uh, with the new Adventures of Superman, which used to play on ITV uh, of a Saturday and Sunday afternoon. And they were incredible. Uh, most of it focused on Superman as Clark Kent, you know, journalist about town, as opposed to Superman uh, with expensive special effects. Uh, and it was just glorious. And yeah, I also had the cartoons and things uh, when I was a kid. It was uh, I think reruns of the old Justice League from the 80s, like the Hanna-Barbera ones. And Paul? So quite similar to you, Mike. Um, I think uh, in the 1990s, I absolutely loved the New Adventures TV show with Terry Hatchett and uh, as Lois Lane. And we were talking about Lois Lane earlier in terms of her role as a journalist. And I always quite admired and respected her focus on her work. <laughs> We're going to be talking later about the kind of articles um, she she should write if she wants to capture the principles of writing on the web. <laughs> but uh, I would say I'd say the TV show from the '90s was awesome, and, and uh, the film with Christopher Reeve, and you know, just absolutely wonderful. Um, and there's certain scenes I remember so clearly, even though I saw it years ago. And one was um, Lois Lane getting into a helicopter. And uh, the helicopter gets caught up on a wire and it goes, it's on top of a building in Manhattan. And unfortunately, the helicopter can't take off. There's a massive crash. The helicopter's right on the edge of the building. And Superman introduces himself basically to Lois Lane that time. Clark Kent's at the bottom of the building. He looks up, he thinks, oh my goodness, I better change quickly. He looks in a phone box, but it's not a proper phone box. It's only a half <laughs> phone box. So it's like, oh no. And so he goes into a building, does a quick, you know, he spins around and then he flies up and then he saves everyone in the helicopter. And I just remember as a kid watching this thinking, this guy's my hero. <laughs> and uh, if ever I was wearing like fancy dress, then, you know, Superman was my face. Oh, really? You were that into yeah, yeah. No, Superman? No, no, no. I mean, I just loved it. I mean, oh, like, wow. the, the, the S. Yeah, you know, the, the whole S thing. and all that. Absolutely brilliant. Do you know they've so. done studies that if people do exams wearing a Superman T-shirt, they perform better in the exams? Yes, I have heard this. I've also heard about how like the Superman pose. pose. No, 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 it's the one with the it's the one from the Fleischer, Fleischer cartoons where he's doing this. Hands yeah. on oh, the hip, which doesn't work. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yes, yeah, yeah. it doesn't work. <laughs> we're, all, we're all pulling the pose. Yeah, and only Paul actually had the, the, the forethought to actually describe what it looks like. <laughs> oh, the pictures are better on radio, yeah. podcasts, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> can imagine us. We're all actually built like Superman. Yes, uh, of oh, course oh, yeah, we the are. Three right? of Donai. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but we also for people who aren't familiar with the character in case there is somebody on the planet who isn't. So he's from Krypton. He's, uh, the planet blew up and he was put into a pod as, his, as a baby. By Mar- uh, Marlon Brando. Put in a pod, lands in Kansas, rescued by Martha and John Kent, and then grows up in kind of Midwest America 
and then goes to uh, Metropolis to earn his living once he feels he's old enough. Um, written by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. Um, first published in 1938, so he's been around for 81 years now. In the thing that you that we was read out earlier, he's not just got a dual identity, he's got a triple identity because he's Kal-El from Krypton. He's also pretending to be Superman, and he's also pretending to be Clark Kent. So very little of his time is actually spent as him. That's why he's got a fortress of solitude, so that he can actually go and just relax and be a, be a regular kryptonite for a while. And, and we are straying dangerously close to your fa- t- uh, favourite topic of liminality. Yes, but we're not. Three <laughs> this is getting a huge build-up, because every time you mention that we're going to do this at some point. We will definitely do liminality yeah, 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 one yeah, episode. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but this does lead us very neatly into his alter ego, his, his, you know, his second or third life, depending on when where you are in his particular identity <laughs> kind of train at the time, um, as a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a journalist, he has a uh, personal and professional relationship with Lois Lane, who is also a journalist. And as we've sort of slightly touched on earlier in the podcast, a hard-nosed... Is hard-nosed the right? She just, I think so, yeah. She's, she's very focused. Yeah, a very, yes. very Cut, focused. Cutthroat, maybe? Yes. Unethical, I would say. Um, I, do you know, I, I think in her industry... Um, you have to be. You have to yeah. be very, very tough. Tough yeah. as nails. Oh, OK, yeah. right. Um, so we can now look at the second element of our question, which is the good web writing principles. Now, I just want to quickly introduce these in an education context. Obviously, we work at the Open University, and the Open University has um, a big drive towards uh, publishing a lot of our teaching content online. Um, We used to do it via print, uh, predominantly, and that's shifted over the last probably 20, 15, 20 years. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, to a predominantly online focus, which has in turn shifted how people approach the writing of it. So that's kind of the direction we're coming at it from. So these are good web writing principles in general, but I also think good web, web writing principles in order to uh, efficiently deliver or effectively deliver uh, educational material. So that's the pedagogical, that's the pedagogic link anyway, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, and with that... Are you sticking to the phrase rep writing? <laughs> rep writing? That's what you said. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, okay, so with that, I'd just like to hand across to very much the expert in taking stuff which has been written either for a book or just on the side of a toilet wall or just spilled out of an academic's head and turning it into something um, coherent in a web education context. Mr. Paul Hoffman. Right. Well, over the past 10 years that I've worked here, uh, I must have worked on dozens of textbooks, uh, some co-published, some just for open university students. And as you said, there has been a trend towards moving a lot of uh, content online. And one of the biggest challenges we have here at the OU and in other places is that print material, the way it's written, the way it's structured, doesn't work on a website, you can't literally copy and paste a chapter from a book, stick it on a web page and expect it to work. There are some really key principles of writing for the web that I think are very applicable, whether it's Lois Lane writing an article on a website or whether it's here at the Open University. So Paul's brought with him um, a couple of different sets of uh, web writing tips from a variety of sources. Um, And I don't know if you want to introduce those to us, Paul? Yes. So there's some excellent advice here from the US Department of Health and Human Services. There's some advice regarding um, how to write user-friendly content. And that applies both here at the Open University and 
in the journalistic world, whether it's Lois Lane or, or Clark Kent writing an article. So why the US Department of Health? So how, how does one arrive at that as, as them as kind of being the sort of uh, the exemplar go-to for, for these sorts of writing tips? Well, when I, when I was preparing for a presentation to uh, OE module team uh, quite recently, I was looking beyond the open university's boundaries. We have some advice um, on writing for the web already, but for me, I wanted to look beyond that and say what's going on in other countries. I lived and worked in the States for a few years, and so I guess it's slightly more familiar for uh-huh. me maybe than, than uh, you know, other people. But yeah, so just kind of looking around in terms of uh, really interesting concepts, whether it's the Nielsen Group or the US government, mm-hmm. I love, a lot of these ideas are also, I say, applicable in the open university context. Mm. But I like to look beyond kind of our sort of internal bubble, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I guess what you were saying earlier that um, that newspaper journalism can be quite important. It can be trivial. Uh, the OU stuff is transformational because it sort of can people learning stuff and it can make an impact on their lives. But I would guess health would be even more important than education in actually getting a message across. I mean, that's why I guess people like the US Government of Health have really nailed this because if anybody has to make sure that people... Um, read their stuff, it's going to be them really, isn't mm. it? I mean, I saw a, a talk by uh, the one of the designers of the, uh, the UK.gov.uk uh, websites. You know that they all sort of look the same now. Mm. So you go on and you can do your driving licence or your passport application and it's all a similar sort of layout. Yes. So they've actually done a kind of a semi-templated set of design and writing principles for their content. So they've done this really, really complicated, sorry, not complicated, a really uh, comprehensive framework of different types of interaction. And it's all very, very kind of goal focused. It's all about uh, effectively communicating information very, very, very efficiently, uh, mixing that in with really efficient uh, sort of user journey and user design. So I think that's a a really good point, because there are structural elements uh, to kind of writing and designing something for for a web page. So, for example, using bulleted and numbered lists, chunking up content into smaller manageable sizes, using images, diagrams, uh, interactive multimedia resources, a fantastic way of engaging with readers, whether Mm -hmm. that's in the university context or outside. So uh, I think, you know, there are ways of... uh, with, With print, it's basically you read the pages... Um, the way our brains work uh, in print is quite different. So there's a spread. So you have a page on the left-hand side and the right-hand side. And the way our brains function is we're not just reading the words. We're looking at the layout. So if there's a blue box in, in the bottom left-hand side and a picture in the top right-hand side, as we continue reading the book, we might not remember the page number, but we remember the shape ah, of the page. Exactly. I remember there was that blue box in the bottom left. That's really corner. interesting because I have noticed that before and I thought I might have some sort of brain disease. Not <laughs> at all. <laughs> I, I, in, in fact, I uh, hope I won't disappoint you by saying you're very normal, though. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Always remember you're unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> Don't mean to insult the host. I'm very sorry. But, but no, it's, it's very typical. Very typical. And and on a web page, of course, our brain doesn't quite have the same um, function in terms of well, how it's processing the sort of cognitive load, especially if it's a very vertical web page where you have to scroll down, 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 is a disastrous experience mm. for the reader, whether it's a newspaper article, whether it's a long-winded 
subsection. Now, that's really interesting to me because I've noticed a lot of websites have actually moved across to that sort of very, very, very long form scrolling, like perpetually scrolling article. Sort of unlimited, almost unlimited scrolling content. You know, the next article will load as a stub at the bottom of the existing one, and then scroll through. Yes, and I think uh, it, obviously different uh, organisations have different ways of doing things. Um, but in terms of some general principles, um, so we were talking earlier about print material going online. Typically speaking, you, you should be looking at roughly half the word count. So that's one thing to bear in mind. And in terms of um, scrolling down on on one web page, the rule of thumb is no more than 750 words. And this partly relates to eye tracking research. Uh, and so, so who, who's, who's this uh, research from? Ah, so this research is from the Nielsen Group, and they did some eye tracking research. So uh, people basically wore these special glasses and it could track where pe- uh, people were reading on, oh, on, I've on seen a monitor. Those on monitors. They're so That's clever. Right. They can yeah. do it with just webcams now as well. Did you know that? You don't need to have special specs on anymore. Really? Did they do that on the other side of this corridor? Yeah, the, are those two rooms. We're pointing in different directions, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere around Trust here. me, it's definitely in It's there. definitely down there now, is yeah, it? Yeah, okay. so um, okay. they can use the webcam um, on, a, uh, on, just a, on a monitor yeah. to do sufficient detail of eye tracking to show where people are going around a screen yeah, and nav- it's awesome. really interesting to right. see how people navigate yeah. uh, it's absolutely fascinating and, and this research um, it, it was done a few years ago but I think it's still very relevant they found that whether people are, are reading web pages on a monitor or on their phone screens typically speaking the way they're reading the screen is in uh, the shape of the letter F now what that actually means yeah, sorry, ca- capital or um, capital F, yes. Not, <laughs> a capital not, F, not, a capital F and a lowercase F have got almost exactly well, the same layout. A, a lowercase they? F, where a person starts, for example, in the little red cross button, gets halfway down the middle of the page in a kind of logarithmic curve, and then goes into a little wiggle at the bottom. Oh, okay. You see, yeah, you I do guess, have a little I mean, wiggle at the bottom. Yeah, don't you? I, I write in cursive. So if you're talking lowercase <laughs> cursive F, then you'd be all over the map. But if you think about a capital F, yeah. right, and it's really important to know that um, for a typical reader, say reading any kind of web page, typically uh, the first few lines on a page will re- receive more gazes uh, or views than subsequent lines. So you can imagine that's the top of the F. And then the, uh, the first few words on the left hand of each line of text receive more fixations uh, than subsequent words on the same line. So you can imagine the shape of an F. So you look at the top, you're reading uh, left to you right. Read the title. You go down a little bit and the left hand column, I guess if there's text in the left hand side, some web pages they flip mm-hmm. the sides of the text. But on a typical web page, um, you know, you'd have the text in the centre or towards the left. And so they would go down. And then in terms of the heat map, it's almost the middle of the F. Yeah. But then if you kind of go down that sort of imaginary vertical line, there's less and less sort of eye, eye tracking okay. sort of hits, so yeah. to speak, in so terms of if, the content. For example, we had um, three paragraphs, like three short paragraphs in a piece of web content. With this F pattern, you might have kind of a lot of engagement with the first paragraph, scroll down a bit, look, fair amount of engagement with the second and then really trail off after that. Would that be fair? Yes, I, I think for a typical web page, that's absolutely true. Based on this evidence regarding the F-shaped reading pattern, there are certain concepts that are really important to be aware of. And one of them is used very widely in, in the journalistic world, whether it's in a newspaper like the Daily Planet or whether it's kind of online media, 
Open University web pages too is very applicable. But this concept is all to do with front loading the information. Now, that basically means that you say the most important message to capture the attention of your audience up front. And also, if there are any headings, for example, you say what it is、ah. or the most important things right at the beginning. Now, this partially relates yeah, to actually, accessibility. Sorry, can I, yeah, can I just jump in there? Because this actually sounds very similar to Mark Childs's theory of academic papers that he once described to me, which is that in order to blag any academic paper, you just need to read the introduction and the bullet points at the end. Well, the bullet points are anyway, any part of the way through. I, this is why, I mean, I, any chapter, anything, I mean, I got through my, write my thesis mainly by just skimming things, looking for the bullet points. Because, not only because it's, it's,、uh, it's the point at which the author has structured their thoughts into a list or into a sequence or whatever. And so, partly they stand out so you can think, aha, there's the good stuff. But also, but when you start bullet pointing things, That's the point at which you're really focusing down on.、Well, these are the key things、mm. I want to say. And then the conclusions at the end. So that's it the abstract and the bullet points and the conclusion. Then I, I mean, I went to、um, I, my, one, of my, <laughs> one of my degrees. Jesus, what a pretentious thing to start a sentence with. One of my many degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to edit that bit out. But I was at, one of the things I studied at university was um, journalism. Um, so, school journalism studies. One of the things there was how to structure your text so that it can be cropped at any, the end of any paragraph. And still makes sense because the thing is, when you send it into a copy editor, you don't know how much space you've got. So basically, you'll read this. If you, you can look at any newspaper art, item and it will say this, you could actually just read the first paragraph and it would make complete sense in itself. You could add another one and it adds in a little bit more information and that's self contained. You read the third paragraph and those first three things all make perfect sense as well. That is blowing my mind. Yeah, and、mm. that's the way you're supposed to write for the for newspapers. But、um, I think the web would be, would be maybe. Wouldn't have that need necessarily because it's extendable,、mm. but because you have to crop things to fit within a, an actual space on a broadsheet or whatever, then yeah, then, it, then every paragraph is the thing I just I, said. I, and I, and I, I think、um, you know, that, that fits nicely into the concept of an inverted pyramid. So this relates to sort of front loading information. So at the start of a piece, you basically give the most newsworthy. Information first. So it's the, the classic sort of W's of who, what, when, where, also how. Really thinking our、uh, readers are potentially going to be very time poor.、Uh, there's going to be other things flashing up on their mobile phones, on their laptops, or whatever they're using. And so,、uh, how can we capture their interest basically and, and present it in a way whereby they actively want to engage and read more? And that, I think, does apply in an academic context too. Absolutely.、Um, if I'm writing something or if I'm editing something on a website, I want to capture people. I always think, what are the hooks?、Mm. Uh, how are we linking what we're going to do into a learning outcome without making it dull and listing learning outcomes? But actually, let's excite the students.、Yeah. This is an OU, open university context. And so, really grabbing their attention at the top, sometimes asking a question. So, how far do you think you know, the Arctic is going to melt in the next 10 years? Or a really kind of sometimes asking a question is a great way of getting people's、mm. attention. But so, really,、um, the top of this inverted pyramid, if you can imagine a pyramid literally flipped upside down, it's really saying, right, what's the most newsworthy, attention grabbing 
stuff. But this is the inverted yeah. pyramid. But yeah, exactly. So we're heading down. And so, um, so we've got their attention. It's really relevant. We're giving them the important details that's going to affect this hypothetical engineering student and say, right, this is really important to my, my studies. This is how a bridge is constructed. And then at the end... There's kind of other general information, background information. So for certain students, we, we might say, if you're interested in this, here's some more resources you can explore. Mm -hmm. uh, so the students can sort of develop their own interests, yeah. really. Um, but it's really starting off with the what's in it for me, why is it important? That is really interesting because, of course, if you've got, if, for example, your issue is complex, then perhaps your ability to fit that into the middle part of the F is somewhat truncated. You're mixing up the F thing, which is how you read the website. Well, that's the thing. I guess I'm, this, thinking, this is a, well, I'm thinking of the inverse pyramid, but I'm also okay. thinking the amount of... Uh, so the inverse pyramid has obviously got um, kind of the sort of almost levels of importance of... Uh, this, at least this is the way I'm interpreting it. Oh, I see. It. So, but it's, I'm comparing that to the F model, where it's obviously the amount of user attention that's given. So you're giving your most, your highest importance message to that initial engagement where the person is most The bar engaged. across the top. The horizontal a, yeah, yeah, bar yeah. on the, the top horizontal of the capital bar F. And kind of your first paragraph, and then you've got the middle bit of your F where you're getting your importance and details across. Oh, so they've actually merged, those two models merge? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm wondering oh, if, you're, yeah. if it's kind of, you've got a competing interest of you're trying to get as much of your message across as you mm. can within the user's interest now of course the desire i imagine is less for an f and more of a completely solid block of mm. a person reading but this model would seem to fit better with kind of the order of priority within that kind of known user behavior yes and i do think as well it's important to understand the audience or have an idea or personas as we might call it of of the audience and and I think for a university student, say, here at the Open University, typically speaking, they're much more motivated to learn. Mm. They're willing to do the heavy lifting, so to speak. <laughs> Whereas with somebody maybe reading, you know, a Daily Planet article by Lois Lane, they may be, uh, you know, it's more like reading a tabloid mm. and, you know, you're getting on the train and, and then, oh, you get an email from work and you put it down and... and all you've really captured is maybe the headline, you've looked at a picture, and maybe the first two sentences that mm. talk about the news of the day or the particular thing where the editor and the author wanted to capture that impact. So I, I do think it, it's not exactly a like-for-like -like yeah. comparison. And so the levels of motivation and the types of uh, people who want to engage with the content, how they want to engage with it, what they want to learn from it. I, I do think there, there are some differences. Yeah. It's important to bear that in mind. Oh, absolutely. I think, I, think I, I guess as much as anything I'm considering, maybe your, um, you know, the 10% the of students, the 20% of students whose engagement you really have to fight for in content. And those are the ones who may, for example, uh, skip or skim a unit which feels not relevant to their current needs, interests, or, you know, perhaps their assessment. Yes, I can understand that. And, and I think um, aiming for brevity is really important. So I, I mentioned about how online content should typically have half the word count of, of a book. And so for me, if I'm working on materials with OU module teams, professors, lecturers, etc., typically I'm thinking, how can we shrink this down, keep the meaning of what's being um, sort of written about? That's incredibly important. Mm. But actually say it using less words yeah. and then some of these other ideas in terms of uh, s shorter headings 
not overusing italics, not underlining words for emphasis, not using block capitals. There's all of these ways, in addition to the things I mentioned earlier, um, that I, I think can really help to um, boost engagement. And with the example... So, so how so? With the example, with the, the ones you've just described, you know, um, not overusing italics, not using block capitals, not underlining, how do you feel that helps boost engagement? Because I think if a student is not feeling confident then it's not necessarily going to take much to turn them off. Mm -hmm. They may be very time poor, and so they want you to get to the point, basically. And and if we can help them on their journey by making web pages as well designed as possible and content that's really engaging and suitable for the web media output, then I think that's the, the best of both worlds. That's great. I'm thinking of time poverty. Can we grab your top three tips, your top three tips for us to take into the next section? Which is like Sophie's choice here. I'm asking an editor to choose between his three favourite writing principles. It's like I've asked Mark to choose between his cat. Don't tell them, but I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I would not choose the one that um, crapped on one of my towels yesterday because I wouldn't play play with her. Which of Mark's cats would you like? <laughs> so I just picture. Shall I get a photograph? <laughs> I, I'm thinking of an inverted cat at the moment, so I'm getting things mixed up in my brain. So. I, I think we can take. Shall we if, take the inverted cat as one? So the cat go like that. Cat rampant. Yeah. So in a shape of an S. In the shape of an S. The information. Okay. Excellent. So we've got the inverted cat. I think possibly as one. What other two writing principles would you like to carry across? So. I, I think chunking the content in a way that breaks it into very manageable sections so mm-hmm. there the, there aren't long-winded pieces of, of, of written text and it's broken up nicely, small chunks broken up nicely on different pages using images, diagrams, multimedia. And also, I just wanted to emphasise in terms of the writing, it's so important to write using an active voice. This is something... I, as an editor, really keen on. So rather than saying the regulation was proposed by the board, actually flipping that and saying the board proposed the legislation. So actually really um, writing in a very sort of active, engaging, exciting way where you're going to engage with the inverted pyramid in terms of get their attention, give them some important details, and then there's background information as and when they need it. So... Inverted cat, chunking, and tone, would that be Passive, fair? Active. Yeah. Active tone, so, so, active... Yeah, well, that, that's basically... Active. Yeah, so, so yeah. really kind of using an active voice. Active basically. voice. OK, brilliant. So I think we've broken apart both elements of the question. Uh, let's carry them forwards and see if we can answer it. Part two, the answer. OK, so back to our question. How can Lois Lane use good web writing principles to teach Metropolis Superman's secret identity? OK, so we've carried across Paul's top three writing principles, which are the inverted cat, the um, the active voice and chunking. So we've actually got uh, an article by Lois Lane, which I'll be linking to in the show notes um, as an image, I'm afraid. But there is some like copy paste text that you can read as well, because uh, the image is not very high resolution, in which she reveals Superman's secret identity. Uh, So we're just going to use this as our test piece for this particular set of rules. So for start, it's the front page of the Daily Planet. So it's in print. 
I want to very quickly see within that first paragraph if Mark's rule of whether or not it works as a standalone applies. So we read this in the intro, but the, the first paragraph is Superman, the survivor of the doomed planet Krypton and Earth's most recognisable superhero, led a double life. For years, he secretly dwelt amongst us as reporter Clark Kent, a former employee of this newspaper. Many who once admired him now question their motives for creating a fake persona. Oh, yeah, it does work. Yeah, it does. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and I guess to some degree, this also introduces our inverted cat. So, <laughs> Yes, inverted pyramid slash cat. Oh, sorry, inverted, inverted pyramid, you're right. Maybe the pyramid does make more sense from a, from a listener's ears perspective. Yes. <laughs> okay, so if um, Lois was translating this into a web article, because the Daily Planet is a progressive newspaper and has probably got like an online presence, so for the online version of this, how would she, how could she take the article re- and represent it for the web? I, I would say actually in terms of the uh, inverted pyramid, it does an excellent job of describing the who so the first word in the headline is superman and then the what secret identity revealed right so you sort of covered the who and the what in the headline which is really good there's an image of uh superman really kind of unflattering scruffy looking one on the bottom right hand side and that in itself projects uh its own message it's, it's obviously not flattering. It, it's not highlighting all of the amazing good things he's done during his life, such as saving Lois Lane from a yeah. crashing <laughs> helicopter. And he, those he looks like things. a mad glowing vagrant. It's kind it. of like Jim Lee. Is he the artist? I'm trying to make a guess of who the artist is on that, but we'll see. So yeah, so I, I think in that sense, it's using artwork to reinforce the headline. So I think they've done a really good job of pairing the artwork with the headline, and that actually works brilliantly well in different kinds of web formats if you're using artwork to reinforce the message that you want to portray. So I would say if I was very time poor, I would know the who and the what just from the headline and the picture, definitely who, because it's got his big S on, so it's very clear. And then in terms of like the, um, the subtitle here, Man of Steel dwelt among us as Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent. Again, it sort of says you know, very clearly that there was an issue to do with the Man of Steel, as he was obviously known, being at the Daily Planet. So that's obviously what the revealed identity part is about. And then in terms of the first paragraph, I would say it really does capture your attention. It would make me want to read more. One thing I would say that I don't think they do well is they're not breaking up the text. I mean, well, the font size is really tiny, so it's a bit hard to read it. But but I would say they're not um, putting in any headings, subheadings below the main headline. Mm. It's also kind of justified columns. So that's much, much harder for somebody on the website to read. So that's a print layout if you have two columns yeah. rather than one column. So, And, I, and as, a, as a person who has done um, some mm. hand pagination before, there are some atrocious line breaks and word breaks in there, which mm. any typesetter worth their salt would have knocked across. The heading things, because, I mean, that stands out now that you've pointed out as something that's really different about what that looks like to compared to what newspapers look, normally look like because mm. they've got headings all the way through really because it does that exactly it and, and it's so important to really think about how can we sort of present this information mm. and i'd say they've done an outstanding job with the headline 
and with the image they've chosen, the first paragraph's really good. Mm. And in the final paragraph, the last sentence is, his current whereabouts are unknown. So in Not a... for more, see page 23, as is normally <laughs> on the <laughs> front of paper. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think um, it, it does really well on, on some of the aspects, but, it, again, it doesn't sort of link to anything else, more information, exclusive spread on mm. pages four and five. So it, it works okay as a print item, not great because there's too much text and we're talking about the columns and there's no headings. But I, I think it, they, they've done an okay job, mm. if I can put it that way, but I don't think it works brilliantly well for the web. Okay. Is it written, I was going to say, is it written in the active or the passive? Because I think that's what, I mean, you know, the reason why Clark Gent Got Kent got his job on the Daily Planet in the first place was because originally he's not given the job, and then because he says he knows Superman, he gets a job because he, he can write copy about it. If you're a journalist and you're in the heart of that action, and then you can actually talk about things from your own perspective, that is way more engaging as mm -hmm. well because you're saying, I did this and this happened. And as long as you're not putting yourself as a protagonist in the story, but just saying about your own personal perspective on it, that can often be a lot more engaging. And of course, Lois Lane can because she's, you know, the partner of, or I suppose, I don't know at this point, or whatever, or friend of Superman. Yes, no, I, I think that's true. I mean, it, it's written in a, in a somewhat impartial way. So okay. th there's the first paragraph, there's the headline, and then uh, there's some positives, and then by paragraph um, four, not everyone is a fan, so that cues up right. the kind of the, the less flattering <laughs> side of things. But I would say it's, it's written in a pretty active way. So the final paragraph, Superman resign from his position. Not, you know, uh, it has become clear that Superman uh, has right. resigned from his position. Yeah. So I, I would say it, it's it's pretty active. It's in punchy. The yeah, I, I, mm. as you'd expect uh, from a newspaper. And but from I, Lois? As you'd expect from her. <laughs> Um, she, she's, she's the best of the best, isn't she? <laughs> I know you're a fan. So it's a good, I think it's generally a good article as a print item. Chunking um, wasn't so great. Chunking could be better. It sounds like in order to make it better, perhaps on the Daily Planet website, as a piece of web content, that chunking would need to be possibly more in evidence and potentially sort of, you know, more subheadings and things and links to further information because at the moment it does sort of hang on a bit end on a bit of a cliffhanger you would expect within this uh, cross links for example for example some people aren't fans please link to citation mm. needed and some of these sort of the surrounding kind of information are about it i was going to say is superman known outside of metropolis i imagine he is yeah yeah he's known he's known across the galaxy isn't he really mm. you know there's there's planets where he's hung, hung out on before now yeah, so I, I think um, it, it does very well in terms of the headline and the punchiness aspect of it, but it, it does leave a bit to be desired. Okay. okay, so how efficient would we say it is at the core objective, which is transferring the information, educating people that Superman's secret identity has been revealed? I, I would say the, the headline is outstanding in that respect. And even the sort of uh, the, the subheading is, is, is very clear uh, the first paragraph is quite clear, and the last paragraph says that his whereabouts are unknown. So I, I think it sort of it captures that nicely. But so if I was a time poor commuter, then I would get the gist of it without even reading the article. So I think it does well from that point of view. But some of the other aspects we mentioned make it feel less inviting to read on. Hmm. 
So I think we've answered our question, but just to recap, how can Lois Lane use good web writing... Again, <laughs> how can Lois? That's, that's a tongue twister. That's He's a, never, I can never fail on the same one web, over and over again. Web writing. How yeah. can Lois Lane yeah. use good web writing principles to teach Metropolis Superman's secret identity? I think that to a pretty large degree, she's already done so. It's a well-structured article with a good hook. She gets a lot of the key information in early. She could, however, convey it in a slightly more uh, sort of eye-pleasing and engaging manner, slightly sort of more well-structured manner on the website, just by chunking it up a little bit more and by presenting it alongside uh, some of the uh, the links and interesting information. Mm-hmm. She does, however, do it with a, a nice active tone. It's an engaging article and, you know, the uh, the front page of the Daily Planet, which, as I say, will be on uh, the uh, the show notes, uh, looks smashing. It's, it's very, it really pulls you in. So before we uh, wrap up, practical tips for your own teaching. I think we can go back to the three principles that we carried across from the uh, the writing uh, part of the show. I think the uh, the inverted cat is, uh, sorry, inverted pyramid is, uh, God, I've completely forgotten how to speak this afternoon. <laughs> the inverted pyramid is uh, just a really good principle to adhere to in general. Which is grab their attention with something and then start to unpack the details and we assume that if you present enough questions in the first bit, they will want to read the rest because they'll be unpacking them. It's all okay. about engaging them. Yeah. Engaging the engage, audience. Engage. Yes. yes. Know your audience and engage your audience. The other bit is to use an active tone because nothing is quite so boring. Mark and I have talked about sort of lectureship and mm. didactic snoozy teaching before. Engage people, be active, be enthusiastic, or if not enthusiastic, be passionate and energetic. And finally, chunk it because there is nothing designed to make the human brain switch off more than 700 unbroken words. I guess punctuation goes in there as well. Use punctuation. Yeah, but uh, it's those signposts as you go through that, like the, the little prongs of the F. Because I guess if it's a longer piece, you might have a, an E and a whatever a, a next letter would be with more prongs across. But pulling those different headlights, subheads. Yeah, so really separate, separating out your content into yeah. chunks that which you can then sort of read and identify. And also, I mean, as Paul was saying earlier, it gives you that the shape of the material scene, which kind of helps with your visual memory. Hippocampus kicking in. Yes. Possibly. Paul, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I think that summarises. Did we get that right, nice. Paul? Did we get that right? I, I thought that was lovely. <laughs> you just did a very, very nice summary. Oh, well done thank to you. both of you. <laughs> See, Paul's telling us this in his lovely soft voice, which I'm really hoping comes across in the podcast, because he really has got the softest, gentlest voice, and it's so lovely. <laughs> um, we're going to be asking him to record some bedtime stories later. Just to I am very good. My, I, I do bedtime for my son, and uh, I read in the books, and yeah, he loves it. He's like T272, and he's like, oh, tell me more about Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no. Quite the opposite. He's like, yeah, teach me. And then yeah, he's just naturally tired. Aww. It's not to do with my materials. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's wrap up. <clears throat> so thank you very much for listening. You can subscribe to us at our website, pedagodzilla.com, uh, and at all your favourite apps, feeds, and podcatchers. We're on iTunes and should be syndicated through just about everything else. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and we'd really appreciate it if you did, because we do like hearing from you and seeing if there's anything that you'd like to hear us do, you can grab us at pedagodzilla on Twitter. I was going to say a .com, but then I realised that that's not how Twitter works. As you can tell, I'm still <laughs> quite new to Twitter. Uh, Mark's better at Twitter than me, and you can get hold of Mark on Twitter at... Mark Childs. Any underscores or just Mark Childs? No, I am the Mark Childs. That is that is an early Twitter profile. Yeah, yeah, the other Mark Childs is really don't like it. Uh, in in <laughs> WebSpeak, I know that is known as an OG handle. 
OG. OG handle. Oh, right. What's that? Um, Own goal? Um, <laughs> I think it's like original something handle. Obstetrics gynaecology? No? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely that. <laughs> I don't give it OB. Uh, and if you'd like to, to see Paul, uh, you can sometimes see him around the hub at the Milton Keynes University. Buy him a coffee and a slice of cake. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Tatty, bye. 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 Rib writing. <laughs> <laughs> A big thanks, by the way, to Catherine Reedy for stepping in and uh, recording that lovely little reading of the Superman article at the intro to this episode. Cheers, Catherine.